great poetic justice in taking over these existing yeah. meat-based restaurants. And yeah. I agree. I love that. You know, we've we've already converted to Burger King. That's in Sanitas mm. to a plant power. Um, in Fountain Valley, we've got a Carl's Jr. converting. In Riverside, we've got a Derwiner Schnitzel converting. I can barely say it. And in uh, Temecula, another Burger King converting. So we, we think that there's something kind of poetically ironic and powerful about that in terms of like what the future looks like. Welcome to the catch-up. Introducing your hosts. Eli Aruth. Editor in chief. And Jeffrey Kutnick, CEO, and apparently the only guy who takes this podcast seriously. Of the craziest, most bestest, news-breaking, food porn peddling, viral website on the dot coms. It's crazy when your future is decided by an algorithm. Dude, this pizza is fucking crazy! There's not one person in this entire world that believes you. Alright, and welcome to the catch-up. Well, welcome back, fatties. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> Today we're talking to a man on the precipice of his own revolution. <laughs> A man who's challenging McDonald's, he's challenging Carl's Jr., he's challenging Burger King. It's Mr. Jeffrey Harris. He's the co-founder, co-CEO of a vegan fast food chain called Plant Power Fast Food. So they not only serve plant-based versions of everything you'd want from the other big boy fast food chains like cheeseburgers, nuggets, fries. Shakes. Shakes. So much chicken sandwiches. Yeah, but the locations they choose, that's what's interesting to me. They seem to be replacing closed carl's juniors and burger kings and i mean jeffrey's chain of restaurants started in san diego they have five locations now throughout southern california two more that are open in early 2020 i gotta hear more about this plan of expansion jeff so welcome to the catch-up thank you so much it's great to be here with you guys i do want to say that i'm uh, the co-founder with my partners mitch wallace and zach voga those okay. are the smart guys those are the smart guys i'm the try uh the charming spokes model just well, to be clear. Well, Jeff, let's learn about you. What what in your kind of pr- in your life in general? What kind of led you to this moment? And we'd love to learn more about. I mean, you've been doing this I think for the past couple of years, but tell us how you got here. Well, you know, um way before you guys were born, um <laughs> back in 1974, I became a vegetarian. I was concerned about the plight of animals. I thought maybe I was the first one. No one told me that there was like an Indian subcontinent or hippies in Northern California. But I just didn't want to eat animals anymore. And back then it was, you know, my family doctor said, well, you're just going to die. You know, this is not going to happen. Wait, legitimately, your family doctor said you're going to go plant-based, you're going to die? Well, pretty much you're going to be sick. It's not going to work. You need meat. You know, all the old kind of stuff that we all grew up with, I kind of got that. And back then there wasn't much around for vegetarians. Uh, Where um, were you? I was, I lived, I grew up in Van Nuys, California, San Fernando Valley. Yeah. And uh, there was the Loma Linda products because there's the Seventh-day Adventists are vegetarians. So there was like canned veggie links. So I was like thrilled that I can throw a (laughs) fake hot dog in the microwave as a kid. (laughs) Yeah. I used to go to McDonald's and and order a cheeseburger, double cheese, hold the burger. Oh, a little grilled cheese going on. Yeah. So that's when you're vegetarian. Was there a moment when something animal awfulness and that turned you, that turned you away from eating meat? It was just kind of that realization, like, you know, as kids, um, at one point, meat is something in a package or that you eat. And then at some point, mm. you realize, whoa, this is an animal, this is an animal, yeah. like my dog or my cat. This is a being that wants to live and 
it kind of struck me real hard. And I, it did come down to a moment when I was, I was 14 having dinner with my parents and, you know, we we're a regular American family eating meat every night and we had veal. And I said, well, what is veal? And my mom said, well, you know, veal is a baby cow. And I remember I put my fork down, like, I cannot do this anymore. And then my mom went, well, I'm not going to cook for you. And she became quite a good vegetarian cook, actually. And uh, then I still ate my grandmother's tuna salad sandwiches until I saw a fish on the pier struggling to get back in the water. And then that was it. And became a vegan probably 20 or 25 years later when I kind of began to understand that the animal agriculture model, like I used to think, well, you don't kill the cows for milk or the chickens for eggs, but that's not really true. Every animal in that chain suffers tremendously and, and meets an untimely death. Dude, I mean, that, I'm, I'm that, getting kind of dark here, aren't dark I? No, early, I mean, but, no. <clears throat> I mean, but it's Let's true go because dark I, soon. I mean, I remember when we were when we were on a dairy farm for an editorial trip and they yeah. kind of talked about, yeah, so like for the first three years of a cow's life, they're here. And then they kind of like don't tell you about like the rest of <laughs> the, the twilight part. years. And so you're like, oh, these are all young cows, like just giving their milk. And you're like, oh, but then in the car, we're like, well, we know where it goes at, like after, after they've kind of lived their life of the being a dairy cow, they're on, they're on a truck. They go right? to a rainbow and they go to a magical <laughs> pasture where they'll be safe and, and wonderful forever. So that was kind of my early start. And then, um, you know, just, you know, like a lot of people, we all kind of struggle to find our way and our career and how we're going to make a living. And I, you know, was for many years kind of a hippie guy working in vegetarian restaurants for a living, which is a very limited career opportunity back then. Yeah. yeah. Can, you, you got it. can you talk about vegetarian restaurants when <clears throat> you were working in them? Yeah. You know, the first time I discovered one was a, a restaurant called Our Contribution. It was in Van Nuys, California. I think it was like 19 years old. It was actually owned by Mike Farrell, the actor from MASH, if that rings a bell for you, yeah. for you youngins. <laughs> um, Everyone at home Googling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was like, it was blow mind. It's like, what? There are vegetarian restaurants. There are others. Yeah. And it was just a cool revelation. And I got a gig there working as a waiter and loved that. Went to travel in India for a while as a young man. When I came back, that had closed. Mm. And then I spent many years working at a place called Follow Your Heart, which is quite legendary these days for being kind of an iconic, famous vegetarian restaurant that's more vegan now. But also they have a whole line the of- cheese. Yeah. The, the Follow Your Heart cheese. That's how it started. It was a restaurant? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Four wow. hippies. They're, they're the best cheese, in my opinion, on the market. Vegan cheese, sorry. Dude, we need to send them this podcast and then an invoice. <laughs> yeah, they should <laughs> get it, man. Yeah. Get, they get a lot of free plug I mean, on this podcast. <laughs> they do because mostly Daya is so bad. Yeah, Daya's kind of <laughs> ass cheeks, dude. Sorry. Like, Daya's not sending I us anything. <laughs> if Daya was more mediocre, I think Follow Your Heart wouldn't get praised <laughs> as much. But when you compare the two, it's literally night and day. How bad was cheese back then, though? Because like, You know, it was funny. When, strides, I, when right? I discovered the first vegan cheeses, I was thrilled. Mm. And I remember actually, uh, you know, I would I would bring vegan cheese and, and vegan organic wine to like wine and cheese parties thinking this is going to be so cool. <laughs> Everyone's going to love this. And people would like, dude, this is, I'm, I don't know what I can say on the podcast. Yeah, I already Anything. said ass cheese. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ass cheese. Yeah, and I, I was thrilled because it's kind of like cheese and it melts kind of. Um, and it really has evolved over the years. I mean, you could just find just crazy Gourmet vegan cheeses, the Follow Your Heart stuff's great. There's some other brands out there. Yeah, I'm not going to mention brands until I know wh who's going to sponsor this. <laughs> yeah. We're wait, finding out too. Wait, yeah. so you worked for Follow Your Heart? Yeah, I was there for many years. Started as a dishwasher and a busboy and a host and a waiter. And 
just loved it and loved, you know, I wanted to, whatever I did for a living, I wasn't very ambitious back then. I didn't want to make money. I just wanted to live in a garage and meditate and serve vegan food, you know. Yeah, you were a hippie. I was. Underneath <laughs> underneath this this corporate looking exterior. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, um, and then I, you know, uh, not to tell my whole story because it's just boring, but, you know, for, I found my way into working at a music store and then got into the audio industry and spent many years uh, selling professional audio and lighting products and, and love that. But some years ago, I just kind of asked myself that big question that some of us ask ourselves at a certain point. And, you know, I'd gotten to that point in my life where I was kind of making a living, uh, was able to buy a house and just more successful than I thought I'd be because I didn't have a lot of ambition. But the question was, before I leave this planet, what would I like to leave it with? Mm-hmm. And also, could I do something that would alleviate suffering, um, offer new choices? And um, the this kind of vision, this idea of vegan fast food began to dawn on me. And the first few people I spoke to about it just said, dude, you're crazy. No, but this was like 12 or 13 years ago. Yeah. Nobody's going to buy vegan fast food. Yeah. But I kind of went on a search. I believed in it. And um, having been in the kind of veggie world for many years, I saw the growth, yeah. even though many people didn't. We see it now. But back then, I was watching that. And I went on a search for people that had the operational experience that I didn't have. So I was looking for an operational partner. I thought maybe someplace on the planet, there's somebody who has the same crazy vision that I have, but they have the capabilities that I don't have to really operate a restaurant and knew how to run it. So you're about to find your partners. Was it, what, would it, what was it about fast food that you wanted to do? Because like you, you'd been in all these restaurants and you're not a restaurateur, right. but you had just worked in them. What was it about fast food versus trying to open up something a little bit more ambitious even? Like when you hear fast food, like that's what you're going to jump into? Right. You know, it's a great question because uh, there was a few years in my life I was trying to put together a restaurant project with a good friend. Um, his name is Benji Chankin. And, you know, I really wanted to have a restaurant w- that would kind of be the typical food I might eat, which is like a bowl of brown rice and tofu and sprouts and nutritionals brewer yeast. And we were trying to raise money back then and we were young and didn't know what we were doing, but what I discovered was nobody was interested in giving us a quarter million dollars for a restaurant. But if we had some kind of scalable or repeatable brand, something we knew nothing about back then, mm. getting millions of dollars was no problem. It was mm. a shock to me. So when I circled back around years later, I realized, well, what, what were my goals? I wanted to uh, take as many animals off the plate as possible, right? I wanted to create a model that was scalable. So you wouldn't just have one restaurant or five or 10, but maybe 25 or 50 or even hundreds and I wanted to create something that would really kind of welcome the non-initiated, the non-plant-based people mm. to come and have a plant-based experience. And I think Jeff's uh, tofu hut would not have done that. <laughs> <laughs> come and have a bowl of brown rice sprouts and tofu. It's like, uh, maybe not. So I wanted to meet people where they were. And that's kind of what germinated that vision. I wanted to create a bridge for people. Mm. And in fact, most of our customers are not vegans or vegetarians. They're omnivores flexitarians to trying to eat healthier more often tell me about what you saw working in vegetarian restaurants kind of growing up and being a vegetarian and what you liked and what you disliked that helped shape your vision for plant power you know it was all really positive for me um you know i liked being a server i like serving people food maybe it's like the jewish mama inside of me right eat (laughs) your skin and bones um but also serving food that i believed in that wasn't creating harm just was always kind of in my heart. And, you know, over the years, um, you know, I'd have people over and have dinner parties and just love to turn people on to what plant-based food can be. And so I didn't really have any negative experiences in the restaurants that I worked at. And actually they 
shape my life in a really cool way and, and maybe drop the seeds mm. or the vision that would ultimately become plant power. Was there, so now tell me how plant power started like coming to life. Who are your, who are your co-founders? I mean, how did that, how did every, everything from plant power, becoming a brand, becoming a location, tell us the, the background of that. Thank you for asking that. So I w- went on the search for years and I, I didn't know how to do it, but I was looking for this kind of crazy concept, as I mentioned, somebody that had the experience and the same vision. And after years of fruitless searching, that sounds like a poem or a song, right? <laughs> fruitless searching. Yeah, something like that. Um, uh, an ex-girlfriend called me and she said, I found your guy. And she had a mutual friend who knew uh, the man that is now one of the co-founders, Mitch Wallace. Mm-hmm. And Mitch was very famous for setting up a lot of cool vegan restaurants over the year, like Kung Food, mm. Nature's Express. And also it was very well known for um, Evolution Fast Food, which is still in business to this day. And that's in uh, the Hillcrest area of San Diego. And I was just excited to meet him. I called the guy on the phone and realized we had the sh- same vision. We, you know, he's like vegan fast food. That's how the world changes. Yeah. Um, I worked with Mitch and uh, his partner at the time for a while. And there was just something about his partner and I that didn't click. <clears throat> with Mitch, I felt I could change the world. And with his partner, it just wasn't like, we weren't going to change the world together. Not that he wasn't a nice guy. Just like we didn't have that, uh, in Yiddish, we call it kismet. Like mm. we didn't have that destiny. And I kind of walked away. And then Mitch called me some months later and said, forget that guy. Let's do this with Zach. I'm like, who's Zach? And Zach is our, right now, I think he's a 29-year-old, cool, uh, tattooed, millennial wonder kid <laughs> who's our COO and has just become a just a world-class restaurant operator, not only in operations, but with bu- building culture and the brand. And I remember meeting Zach, thinking that I was interviewing him to join Mitch and I. Mm. And Zach thought he was interviewing me to join him and Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even figure that out until years later. And when the three of us finally came together, we realized amazingly that we shared the same vision and we had kind of overlapping skill sets. So I had been in the corporate world. I knew a little bit about data and analysis and money, not as much as I know now. Really, there's so much I didn't know. And yeah, once you cut your teeth, you learn a lot yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had to answer dumb questions that I'm like, people would ask, well, what is the EBITDA on those restaurants? I'm like, well, let me call you right back. I've got an incoming <laughs> call. So there's a lot of financial terminology and financial literacy I lacked, but I had some skill sets about sales and presentations and things that I, I thought would help us raise capital. Uh, Zach and Mitch, just crazy, intelligent, amazing operators. You know, Mitch had the legal skill set. He's a lawyer. He knew about leases. So mm. we all kind of contributed something to this mix. Each each one of us, I think, is very capable. Those guys could probably do what I do, but I don't think I could do what they do. What did Zach do before? Zach, the twenty nine year old wonder kid. Yeah, are you supposed to say wonderkind? I don't even know. It's. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. But also, twenty nine is no longer a yeah. child. But <laughs> yeah, younger than me. Well, though, so when, when you're my age, it is. Yeah, That's yeah, the funny yeah. Thing. Um, he kind of worked his way up. Um, he had, he actually went to. Uh, was thinking about being a lawyer in his life, but I think realized it wasn't really what he wanted to do. And he became a vegan, I believe, in his teens. I don't want to mm. tell his story. Sure. But he kind of worked his way up through Mitch's restaurant at Evolution Fast Food okay. from the bottom. And then he started. He ended up as the manager and really kind of turned it into a next-level operation. And so I think Mitch recognized incredible talent in this guy. And uh, he's like a guy that always had the ability and just needed the chance to rock. Yeah. And when Mitch and Zach and I came together, I think all of us got an opportunity to rock in our own respective ways. And uh, it's been a great team. We started working, meeting in the back of Mitch's restaurant in San Diego. There's a there's an old kind of leatherette coffee 
chop type of a booth in the back of the outside patio, yeah. which we told them they can't take it away, man, because that's going to be a shrine one day. Yeah, yeah. This is where it all started, man. <laughs> or as we like to say, where it all began. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh thank my you. God. Oh, I love it. I'll be here, yeah. all, I'll be here all week. <laughs> I'm with yeah. two Jeffs who both love bad jokes. Yeah, exactly. It's probably in all Jeff DNA is my yeah. assumption. It just flows through the veins. <laughs> oh so we um we started kind of plotting our diabolical overthrow of the of the traditional fast food industry, I think in late late 2014. Okay. And maybe early 2015. And, uh, uh, you know, Mitch was fearless. So we signed a lease. We found this place in Ocean Beach in San Diego. What did that place look like? What did it feel like? Piece of dirt with, okay. uh, with uh, fences around it. But they were building a two-story, kind of a small office building. Mm. And we were able to get the lease on the bottom floor, like right. a 20-year ground lease. Couldn't quite do drive through there. Mm. So we did drive up, like Sonic style. But you knew that was part of the vision. You wanted something with the car. You wanted we, like yeah, those sensibilities. Yeah, we, we wanted to kind of be in the fast food, McDonald's, Burger King, Jack in the Box world. We wanted to define ourselves as one of those brands mm-hmm. rather than fast casual. So this is called QSR, a quick service restaurant. Sure. And that's in the US, like a 250 plus billion dollar business. So 50 million Americans a day go through the, go in fast food restaurants. And, and so was <clears> it the <throat> scalability that new that you guys knew that that was going to be a part of your model from the beginning yeah. of incorporating drive through drive up because what's really interesting is like especially too with the amount of vegan concepts that are coming out now i feel like that's not really on the radar for the majority of concepts they're trying to do these kind of sit down quick service still you're ordering at yeah. a counter yeah but then i mean with what eli and i've experienced with just so many of the major fast food companies is they do huge and majority amounts of revenue coming yeah. through that drive through. And it's like, it's, it's a, it's a superpower of revenue. We, yeah. We live in this mobile culture, you know? Um, great question. You know, we, we've modified our plans. So we always wanted to be McDonald's, Burger King, Carol's Jr. drive through, but also right now we have to grow quickly. And so to grow quickly, we need to grab whatever we can. So, you know, that first restaurant was was terrifying. We signed the lease first and then started raising money, or should I say begging for money. So, yeah, so you you, you don't have- Oh, sign lease first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, entrepreneurs, if you're listening, don't do that. Yeah, entrepreneurs, <laughs> listen to this. Yeah, okay, so you signed the lease. Yeah. You didn't really know where the big money source was coming from. Yeah. I'm sure you guys pulled a little bit together we had our, between our, you. We had some between the three of us. Okay. Everything that- we had. Sure. We were not rich guys. We sure. put together a little piece. Yeah. Okay. And, and then, then we had to raise a bunch more. So what was that first? Because I heard a little bit about crowdfunding early on. So talk to me about once you sign that lease, what happens next? So the first one, we didn't do any crowdfunding. It was really, um, as our CFO calls it, friends, family, and fools. That's what he calls it. <laughs> the three Fs. And really, um, you know, we had some credibility because Mitch had been in the market for quite a while. Sure. Building restaurants that were successful. So Mitch had a pool of people that knew him and just trusted him. Right. If you're doing it, I'm in. And then all of us just kind of went out there and I was kind of at the helm of the raise, but we all contributed to bringing prospects. And, you know, one thing I was looking for was what I call VWM or vegans with money. Mm. Right. So we are looking for people that had some abundance and they were mission based and they understood what we were trying to do. But we also found people that like were, you know, capitalists who just understood even then back in 2016 that this plant based thing is growing and they want to get into something. So it was a combination of that, some friends, some family, you know, at the first restaurant we had investors in for as little as five grand and as much as 200, but we were able to cobble it together. And then thankfully, because you know, when we're selling the investment, we're, here's the pro forma. This is, the sales are going to go up like this, radio listeners. I mean, going up. Yep. Um, 
And But we also told people, you may lose your money. This is dumb. Uh, talk to your advisors and your attorneys, and they'll tell you not to do this. And they're probably right. Um, but we, we believed in it. And um, in fact, we were sending investor checks uh, by the end of our second quarter of operation. Wow. So January, February, March, April, May, June. At the end of June, checks were going out. We did about a million dollars our first year there. 1.9 our second year, 2.5 our third year. What was it like when you first opened? Did oh, people give a shit? Did they come? Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the, the first, now, what, now looking back, we realized we didn't have a brand, right? We knew who Plant Power was. Sure. Our, our girlfriends, our moms and dads, <laughs> our close friends. And we just, you know, if you're on social media, you think, well, geez, if 50 of your friends know, everybody knows. Um, so, but we really didn't have a brand at first. And, you know, we, we really put everything on the line. And I actually remember standing there the first day after having the, this dream for so many years in the corner of our Ocean Beach location, the doors open at 11, you know, nobody walks in, 11.15, nobody, 11.30, some guy that I pulled in off the street. I met a guy outside on the way to coffee. I said, be our first customer. So he came in, 11.45, nobody. And I'm thinking, I'm going to have to sell my house and my car yeah. and my guitars and stuff. And around 11.50, 11.55, uh, the wave began. And it was, you know, if you've ever had a dream, look, and we, we live in, it's like Pretty Woman, you know? Everybody's got a dream. What's your dream? <laughs> you know, we all want to be, you know, rock stars, playwrights, actors, you know, entrepreneurs. And it's not easy. You know, you guys are doing it here at Food Beast, you know? But that first day when, when people started lining up and were happy and loving the food, it was... Um, for me, it was like a spiritual experience of realizing we can do this. And people were loving the food. And as now, most of these people were not vegans or vegetarians, although the veg heads are radical fans. They're super fans. But really, um, we love watching everybody kind of freak out and go, wow, this tastes just like a, a Big Mac. How are you telling that story early on? Because I'll be quite honest with you, when I uh, see the Plant Power logo, Mm -hmm. It doesn't doesn't resonate with me, mm -hmm. you know. When I see it, and then I, gotta I dive. Go. I really got to go now. And then I dive into the Instagram, <laughs> and then I dive into everything, and I'm like, brilliant! Like yeah. the colors are warm. Yeah, you guys understand the sensibilities of what makes McDonald's logos tick. Yeah. and their colors tick. Yeah. So I'm curious how early on you said there was a line, which is great. Yeah. Um, right around the lunch rush, which is perfect, but. Was there conversations you needed to have? Did you guys notice or change anything early on? Because like, was plant power a turnoff for some people? Right. You know, it's funny. Um, there was two elements to that. One is who are we? So we knew early on who we are, right? So we are um, wanting to be a cruelty-free kind brand where animals don't get hurt. We were wanting to be a brand that promotes, <clears throat> although that's in the background a little bit because we don't want to offend people. You know, we're not screaming meat is murder, mm -hmm. but we do have an intention to decrease suffering. Uh, the second arm of that um, is... You know, we want to decrease the impact of animal agriculture on the environment. And the third part is we want to create a safe, loving, non-judgmental, welcoming place for everybody to try plant-based food. And we're not going to throw any red paint on anyone's fur coat. Mm. Um, we're just, we, we just welcome everybody. So that's the kind of ideological place. Sure. And we've always emphasized the healthy aspect of plant-based and maybe the environmental. And we lean back a little bit on the animal part because it's very confrontational. And if people aren't ready to hear that. But you talked about the color and the look, and that has evolved. So, you know, I started with colors, a color scheme that I put forward, um, which you kind of see on the original Plant Power logo. And Zach and I really do a lot of the branding work. He's got a great design team behind him. But that that brand evolved. So the, kind of, the colors that you see now, yeah. um, kind of the format that you see now, the way our restaurants are being designed, 
Dak and his design team have a lot to do with that. And that's why it's cool to have a, a groovy young hip millennial on your team yeah. um, rather than an old white guy who's going to make <laughs> it look like a 50s coffee shop. Well, and for the people that haven't seen the branding and logo, check it out. But I mean, when I walked in, because the first yeah, time, you've been the first there, time I saw the logo was going into the store in Long Beach, right? So I wasn't super familiar with the brand ahead of time. I had heard that there is a a vegan plant-based fast food coming to Long Beach. I remember hearing that as a specific moment that had other locations. And so I kind of earmarked it until, well, I was in the area that this past weekend and then tried it. But when you... When you when I saw the brand, the menu boards, the t-shirts, very cohesive, the interior very cohesive, and you kind of get this contemporary 70s retro vibe. Like yes. it's been there it's, for a while. Yeah, it and what that's that's the actually the first thing that I commented with my friends as we walked in and the location in Long Beach has been a failed restaurant Forever. for f- at least five concepts. So the people that know Long Beach knows that the current plant power, where it sits, has been a a rotating restaurant that has failed every two years or less. And so, but when we walked in, and so I had been in this space before, even though I hadn't been to plant power, is it felt like it had been there. Hmm. And that was and that was the exact comment that I didn't say I felt. And then my friend David mentioned Hmm. it to me like, this is like feels like it's been here, um, yeah. and I, and to me that's that's something to take to your design team because Thank you very um, much. I mean it was immediately a brand that I was like oh I one I understand it now that I'm here plant power I get it strong branding but and the colors were cool I don't know everything just felt felt right for a fast food restaurant in 2019 you didn't feel like you were walking into a dated Burger King or a dated Carl's Jr. It felt like a contemporary quick service restaurant with price points that, you know, are actually pretty affordable. Thank you. And I, and I say, you know, uh, you know, the Chinese menu, you hear sweet and sour, right? It's like two different things mm. or hot and sour. And so we're kind of, um, and this is Zach's idea, really. We're kind of playing with two ideas at the, fir- at the same time. First of all, you'll see a lot of our restaurants, a big neon sign that says the future of fast food. Yeah. Mm. So we're really saying the future of fast food is plant-based because we kind of believe the long-term future of humanity is plant-based. The next 50, 100, 200 years, that's how we all survive, right? So the future of fast food, that's we love that. But if you look at the um, the artwork, you know, it's definitely kitschy 70s yeah. retro. And it was a very delicate balance to find that. And I cannot take credit for that. You know, Zach and his team and his brother, um, 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 God, I'm spacing. I'm so tired right now. Jordan Voga, his yeah. brother Jordan Voga is a great designer. They really kind of came up with this idea of something that's leaning forward and kind of winking at the past a little bit. And especially when yeah. you think of veggie and vegetarian and veganism, right? And you, you mentioned it earlier, there's kind of this elbow jab, like, haha hippie, <laughs> yes. right? Yeah. And I think that's what made it all connect to me yeah. was like, oh, this is funny. They're kind of like hitting it on the nose is like a, a big part of this movement came from this specific generation and time period and stayed as a microcosm until now like that's what it felt like that's what Dude, the brand that is felt. so well articulated i mean you just you kind of just articulated it in a way that i'd never quite heard before but that makes a lot of sense to me yeah jeff's yeah. the articulate one uh, <laughs> not this jeffrey and, but, I, I, and, and before you jump in Eli, i still want to know what before we move on from location one what the menu was mm. in location one when you guys opened 
without the completely solidified brand when you signed a lease pre-investment what did that first menu look like when you were serving at 12 p.m yeah great question we didn't have breakfast yet so the the ip or intellectual property or the original menu we kind of uh, took from uh, mitch's restaurant evolution fast food and like you know the basic kind of menu i mean we couldn't use what was that sorry i don't know what that you know uh, uh, burgers yeah burgers fries i'm using my air quotes chicken tenders okay um you know uh, wraps all that kind of stuff and then over the years, that's actually been evolving. It's like a Darwinian evolution where it's, it's got its own kind of, we've got our own brand that's kind of evolving from there. But, you know, there's a lot of things that, that haven't survived. I mean, we had tacos, you know, we had, uh, we had all sorts of cool stuff. And then over the time, you know, we're doing data analytics and we're looking at what are people really buying? How much, does it, how much time does it take to make this on the line? Because we have to get to that three and four minute mark that the fast food guys are at. And so it's really evolved a lot. And I'm, you know, Zach's like, okay, we got to make this menu change. And I'm like, no, don't lose that. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> and, you know, and, you know, over time, you kind of realize it's okay. We've got professionals at the helm and they're making smart decisions. A lot of the items that we still have, um, like the Rambler and the Holy Guacamole and, uh, you know, are still there. And then our, you know, a lot of stuff has been renamed. You know, what was the Voodoo Burger is the iconic burger. And uh, the Big Zach, which is I named after Zach, yeah, to imitate the Big Mac, brilliant yeah. name, is is big part of our success. So the it's definitely been evolving. We look at it all the time. We want it to be fresh and new, but not lose our fans by making big sudden changes. And Zach and his uh, R and D team are doing a nice job of kind of keeping their eyes on what what's working. And with with what we're seeing in vegan and vegetarian restaurants now, especially, and we might mention these brands a lot in the pod or not, but now it feels like with Impossible and Beyond, someone can just be like, all right, I'm going to start a burger concept. Mm-hmm. Of course, we're either one or both or whatever. There's enough information that feels like I know there's I know how to make a vegan thousand. So can you talk to me about what burgers was like when you guys started, if those brands were around or what you guys were using and how that has changed till today? That's a really good question. So, um, you know... That's a great question. Like when Mitch had his restaurant many years ago, uh, Evolution, um, I think at that time they were using Amy's Mm. burgers for a while. That was the cool burger at the time. And then they kind of evolved into some other brands. We we know Ethan Brown from Beyond Meat. Love what they're doing. Incredible. I'm grateful for what the impossible people are doing. So there's two answers to your question. I always do that. Short question, (laughs) long answer. and, and one is we really didn't want to be co-branded with anyone because we want to develop a regional and then national brand. And we really can't do that if the Plant Power Burger is the Impossible Burger or the Beyond Meat Burger. And we have nothing against those products. I mean, maybe one day we'll co-develop with them if we're big enough and we can really make the Plant Power Burger you know, with them. But really early on, we just needed to establish our brand. And since our brand is a burger brand, we needed to come up with a burger recipe that we that we thought was good. What I will say is in the 70s, which I actually lived through, and you guys did not, um, you know, veggie burgers were hippie burgers. You know, they were like made with oats and vegetables, and it was a whole different vibe, and I loved it, and it was great. But in the last, you know, 10 or 15 years, there's been a move towards meat analogs, right? A burger that looks and tastes like meat. And the reason is a lot of people in the plant-based movement or the animal rights movement want to bring more people into it. into it. And so to do that, you know, you create kind of a meat analog that has a good nutritional profile that's delicious. And um, and we also have a black bean burger, which is kind of our version of the hippie burger. So if you don't want any 
anything other than something that's kind of pure vegetables, we have that option as well. So that's been a really cool thing. The other thing I want to say um, is that because a lot of our you know investors, right, and a lot of our team and and our will wishers ask us, well, oh my God, Carl's Jr., Burger King, KFC, yeah, what do you think? White of all Castle, that? everybody's coming out with plant based stuff. Well, first of all, this is great. This is what we've always been driving towards. You know, this is good for the world. It's good for people's health. It's good for the planet. So we absolutely have to applaud that. Now, as a business owner, sometimes you get a little nervous, like, um, geez, what's happening here? Sure. We, pre we predicted it. We, we knew that this would happen one day. And I have to give Ethan Brown from Beyond Meat and the folks at Impossible a lot of credit for being brilliant, you know, to seeing that, that the need and the trend and what they recognized, which is what we recognized that the big market is not vegans. It's omnivores that want to eat, make healthier choices more often. Yeah. But to answer your question, so the answer so that question is something that you guys are familiar with because of your interest in food, and that is brand. I'm going to say it again, brand. So when we think of the major brands, uh, we know why they're here. They're here to make as much money as they can. Nothing wrong with that, right? If they make it uh, selling animals, they'll do it. If they make it selling uh, healthy food, they'll do it. And that is their reason for being, and that's why most businesses exist. And I have no, you know, qualms with that it is what it is and uh but we're here for different reasons so we need to be successful we need to be profitable we want to do well we want our uh, franchisees and our investors to all be abundant however it's not why we're here we're here to make a change we're here to show people new choices our restaurants some of them are now solar powered our straws oh, are don't. not made from plastic our our uh, plastic wear are not made from plastic they're made from uh, biodegradable plant-based materials um, we are 100% plant-based and we're 98.5% GMO. And we found one little sauce. <laughs> we're working on it. Oh, was that out loud? So my point is, my point is, is that- You mean no GMO. No GMO. No GMO. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for the correction. Yeah. I know what you meant. I'll have my- 98.5% GMO yeah. free. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Gotcha. Yeah, I'll have my lawyer read all this. <laughs> but here's my point is that I think that even that the people that aren't plant-based, right, they're not in that camp. They're not- they're not going to join the vegan uh, secret club and wear Meaty's Murder t-shirts, but they do want to eat plant-based and healthier more often. They recognize the, the authenticity uh, of our brand and the intention behind the brand. And I think that creates a shine around us. Mm. So even while the world is changing, the way that I hope that we can stay ahead of that game is to stay authentic and true to our intentions. And I think there's something about that that leaks out into the feeling of the brand. And we're going to have more and more competition. Are you, are you saying that uh, you have a proprietary burger that you use or that you just don't use the branding of a third party like everyone else is doing? Because I, either way, I think that's smart. But yeah, I, I'm yeah. curious about what you're saying. You know, you know what would happen if I told you? You know what happens next? <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a, a, a strategic partnership with a provider of GMO-free soy. And we have our own flavor signature that we build around it. So in other words, wow. at this point, we do not... Uh, although we are planning on growing some of our own food as an experiment to see how we can do that. Yeah. We have invested in a small farm space. So we're, we're definitely exploring some very visionary options. But at this point, we are not a manufacturer of food product. And so we, we use the products that are available in the market that meet our nutritional and GMO free requirements. And then we kind of develop around that. Because I think there's a pretty big conversation here about the, and Eli, we've kind of talked about this is as much as BK and Del Taco have kind of leveraged the third party brands to create a shit ton of revenue for their company. 
there's there's some there's some baggage tied to that you now that revenue is tied to a brand that you don't own. I've always felt there was a ceiling there. From the first time we covered Del Taco introducing Beyond Meat, I was excited because, like I mentioned, I wish there was a plant power on every corner. Yeah. I wish there was a drive-through where I can be my flexitarian self, be my omnivore self that wants to eat a little bit better. Yeah. Um. I wish. I wish that was the case. Like I hate Carl's Jr.'s drive-through like once a week because I know they got that Beyond Famous star. It's awesome. So it's one of those like, is are they? Are they like shooting themselves in the foot long term? Like this is great cash grab right, right. now. Right. And I was uh, one of my questions that I had for you is: like, Do you guys feel like you have an advantage over these brands like McDonald's, Burger King, Carl's Jr.? Even if it's a small advantage right now, because you mentioned a little earlier, you you need to move fast. Yeah. And some of the other, I know there's actually a lot of vegan entrepreneurs that listen to this. Oh yeah. And so they might even be critical of someone like a plant power yeah just because oh shit well they got they got big money i mean we're here being honest so hey, hey, guys, we, it's not like let's clarify yeah we don't yeah <laughs> but, but you know how like other entrepreneurs can you know, be funny. It, it's so are. funny you know we have five restaurants now in foreign development and all of a sudden like we're huge big corporate yeah. sellouts <laughs> but we're struggling you know for every dollar of investment and i don't subscribe to that camp i, I just want I'm, you to, I'm yeah, like yeah and the thing is you know growing uh it's it, it, great questions like let me backtrack. Like mm. in the food world, you've got meat companies or dairy companies now buying up plant-based operations, right. plant-based brands. And I was actually, I had this conversation not too long ago on a panel with uh, Seth, I forgot his last name, who was the president of Tofurky. Mm -hmm. You guys know that stuff? Yeah. And uh, Monica from Bistro. And, um, you know, it's kind of like if, we, if money, if capital finds its way from food products which are destructive for the planet and for our health and the animals. And that capital moved to moves towards plant-based solutions that are better for everyone in the current world that we live in. That's great. You know, like, you know, uh, you know, in my ideal universe, it's a tree hugging hippie, uh, Bernie Sanders, uh, drum circle, <laughs> socialist Republic. And, um, and money falls from the trees on anyone who wants to do good stuff. That's awesome. But in the, the real world, it's not like that. And so if we want to see substantive, substantial change, um, uh, I think it's good that the big brands are moving in that direction. You know, it's a great question. Um, uh, I think the big brands are following a, a really important trend. And so if you look beyond the brands, like the innovative, cool brands like Plant Power or Monty's Burger or um, even Veggie Grill, even though they're kind of corporate, they're, they're edgy and they're, they're here for a reason. And then you look at the big brands, we're, we're all floating on top of trends. And I think that the trends and the shift in consciousness is actually the important thing that we fail to look at. So the businesses are responding to the fact that people are wanting to make new choices and that they're moved by different things. In the case of plant power, you know, we're really careful about our messaging because we, I think that we're all tired of being sold to. And we're all suspicious of messages that we get in commercials and advertising. Well, because we're getting hit with it more than ever before. Yeah. More than any person on this planet has ever received That's messages. It. We're processing more than anyone. Yeah. And so I think that if our messages are authentic um, and coming from our hearts and maybe funny, like the artwork at our locations, is kind, they're kind of funny and edgy. I think we have a better ch a ch a chance of touching people and basically saying to them, you have other choices. It's not, it's not just about plant power. It's you as a human being have other opportunities to make different choices. You can eat more plant-based food. Uh, James Cameron, the director, his wife, Susie Cameron, I think she started an organization called One Meal a Day. And she's not, she's not screaming at people, be a vegan. But she's saying, oh, well, just shift out one meal a day to plant-based. 
right? And as a way of making a difference for your health and the planet and the world and the animals. And so, you know, our message is we're just trying to offer you new choices, but really it's everyone's own personal journey to make choices that are better for themselves on the planet. And that's kind of the fun part about it. Now we're crazy busy just managing our business and building our brand, but the intentions behind it are um, demonstrating new choices in hopes that um, people start to ask themselves important questions. In that answer, you mentioned you mentioned a brand called Monty's, and and that's what I want. I wanted to talk specifically about your pricing because yeah. um, Eli and I have gone to multiple vegan restaurants. I mean, in the California area mainly because that's where we're based, but we've been to others. But I feel like one of the restaurants that I kind of mentioned earlier. Um, these restaurants tend to be sit down. They tend to be, they might have counter service, but a lot of these price points, like you can't, as a person, you can't walk out under $20. Right. So you're going into a, you're going into Monty's, you're getting a double, whatever their double cheeseburger is, which is good. And we like it. You can get something like animal style fries. You can get a shake, you can get a drink, all of that. But if you got all of that, that's probably like 35 bucks. Right. Right. And so, again, you don't, no one needs all of that. But uh, that's what I'm saying. If you wanted all of that, it's going to hit your wallet in a different way versus if you walk to a fast food restaurant, grab something somewhat similar, even if the, the quality isn't the same. And it would be whatever, five, 10 bucks or whatever it would end up being. What I noticed specifically about plant power on walking in, I ordered about. Well, I have t- two other people with me, but I ordered, I think, at least six sandwiches, two drinks, um, a kombucha float. Dude, we need to hang out um, more often. <laughs> and well, because I wanted to, obviously, that was there for my first time. I wanted to try a bunch of stuff, yeah. and that's what we ended up doing. I spent 60 bucks, right? And I was pretty surprised. And I was looking at the pricing at the menu board, but I'm not looking at it so specifically. And so I kind of ordered four, five, or six people at a minimum even though we were only three. And I was like, oh, that's really surprising to me because every t- every place that I've gone that's plant-based, I've always paid a 15, 20 or more premium. Yeah. Tell me about your strategies related to pr- pricing from restaurant one and if that's shifted to the current locations of what you're doing. Yeah, our pricing structure is kind of universal across the board and I'll... I'll uh uh, first, first, here's the overview, right? So you have your basic fast food out there. And we all know that that is not healthy stuff. And it's probably cow meat, but it could be kangaroo meat. We don't really know. I'm kidding. But, you know, uh, <laughs> it, it's, a it's, little bit. <laughs> it's not GMO free. It's, it's not healthy food. But, you know, it's tasty and people like it. Now, when you watch TV and you look at the commercial, it looks like, you know, spec, you know, three tacos, four burgers, a shake for 99 cents. But when you go in there, it's not really like that but it's still pretty inexpensive. Yeah. So this is this segment that Plant Power is playing in is called the QSR, a quick service restaurant. We call it fast food. You step up from fast food, you have fast casual. That might be like Panera bread mm-hmm. or in the um, plant-based world, that might be like veggie grill, right. Right, or native foods. So our pricing strategy is we know that we can't be, have $1.99 burgers with this kind of ingredients. So our, our strategy is to be above traditional fast food, we're premium. We're selling much, much healthier food, but below fast casual. And that's why, um, you know, you can come into a plant power. And I think right now it's for like eleven ninety nine or 95 
which sounds a lot less than twelve dollars, by the way. <laughs> it does. Uh, yeah, you can get a burger and a um, a fries and a soda, right? So we're you know we really are trying to kind of have that value proposition where this is much less expensive than any plant based or regular fast casual food, but we understand it has to be more expensive than a traditional fast food, which has got you know the massive efficiencies of industry, and they're not really concerned about the ingredients. We got to talk about this food. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about the menu, Jeff? Because you just had it. Yeah. So I could, t- I could talk at least about what I ordered. Yeah, what'd you have? What'd you um, have? So, and what I ordered, I, the, most, the most interesting thing that I thought or that I found on the menu board um, was the gingerade kombucha float was like, I'd never, I'm, I'd never seen kombucha and soft serve together, so I thought that was like pretty amazing. Definitely ordered the Big Zack, which I'm assuming is one of the more iconic things on the menu. Yeah, it's our best. Which seller. is literally the plant-based Big Mac, and it <laughs> looks and feels and tastes very similar. The Rambler, which is you just you mentioned it before, but that's kind of similar to the Western bacon cheeseburger. Oh, so I it's like that. the barbecue sauce. It's the onion rings, um, that's kind of built in that burger. The best tasting thing I had was the Buffalo 66, which oh, is their yeah. like their fried quote unquote chicken sandwich. Mm. I don't know what you guys did to that sauce, but that sauce was tight. Thank and you, that man. actually made it like the most satiating thing um, that we ate. We tried, we also had, they have a fish filet. How's that? Pretty good. I don't know if fish is where it needs to be vegan wise. I think there's like a lot of improvements that can be made to the fish category, but still good. And then you mentioned the soda. They have main root soda. And if you haven't had main root blueberry soda, it's like it's one of my you, it's you like, haven't really lived. You ha- like, Even if you've gone so to the top I, and of I don't, Everest or and something. I don't I don't drink a whole lot. Like, but I drink a lot of soda for better or for worse. <laughs> That was the first time I had tried main root blueberry and like I'm I'm hooked for, I'm hooked for life. We love Damn. those guys. It's amazing stuff. Dude, it sounds like you liked it, Jeff. It was, you know, it it, it was uh it was good. It was really good. And I think especially when you compare it to the price point of everything that I've eaten vegan plant-based. Yeah. It becomes really really good well some of our um uh uh respected and loved competitors in the vegan fast food segment are going with uh you know beyond meat or impossible so um their price points necessarily need to be a little higher Mm. to to do that um but the thing is it all depends on what you want to do so um you know monty's is phenomenal they're growing by leaps and bounds we know them very well they're great people and you know they have fanatic fans who are willing to pay a little bit more and the product is great, right? And that that's wonderful. And I we think that for plant power, if we want to get to 50, 100, 200, 300 units, we have to kind of hit that price point and we have to be branded differently. But they're, they're kind of like the, the in and out version of us and we're like the McDonald's version. If you mm. kind of think about their, their menu offering. And, and what I loved is, what I'm loving is that there are more and more brands like us kind of seeing what we're seeing. There's a place called Next Level Burger and Pacific Northwest, Monty's down here. Mm. It's exciting. You it's an lo- exciting time. So you love that? You know, that's a great question. Okay. <laughs> so let's, can we get real? Or as you kids say, let's keep it 100%. <laughs> <laughs> no, drop the percent though. <laughs> Just keep, keep it 99%. <laughs> oh yeah, thanks man. <laughs> that's funny. Keep it 100. Yeah, there um, you go. You know, at first, I think that um, as human beings, right, we have, it's kind of our nature to be uh, jealous, envious, greedy, 
Um, we want to win. You know, that's kind of built into our DNA um, from, you know, our years of evolution in the jungle, I assume. And I think that um, in the plant-based world, we're really all trying to create something different. And so we need to kind of check ourselves. And um, the truth is, there's enough room for everyone who wants to be in this segment to succeed. I don't think that we're anywhere near the threshold. I think it's going to explode. And I'm deeply moved by everyone who wants to help be part of making these changes. So we really need to look at our hearts, right? And not get too freaked out and not get too competitive. Um, yeah, everybody wants to be number one. I think we want to be the first plant-based fast food restaurant that gets to 50 or 100 units. But if somebody else gets that first, we're still going to go out there and do our mission to make the world a better place. And um, I actually want to, I know Nick from Monty's and love the guy. And he invited me and my girlfriend to the opening of one of his other restaurants recently. Here's the pitch. Nick's on Beverly, great vegan place, kind of high end. Mm. You guys got to check it out. Okay. I'm going to call him and ask for a check right now. <laughs> um, so, you know, we know a lot of these people. We love these people. We want them to be successful. We know what it is to run a business. We don't want them to feel the anxiety that we have sometimes felt when we struggled. We want everyone to win. Yeah. And, you know, we, we got to work on our consciousness. And if we want the world to be a better place, we have to be better examples of attitude and a sense of generosity. So, Jeff, you were good to call me out on that. You're totally right. You know, the darkness dwells within me. But um, we really, we want the world to be different. We want us to all work together. All right, so Jeff, you had those items. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Jeff, what are the other items that we're missing? Because it's a big menu. There's a lot going on. First of all, um, it's good to mention that the menu is a spectrum, right? So um, we have our kind of burgers, fries, shakes, chicken tenders, right. part of the spectrum, which is where most people come in. Um, but we also have... Um, salads, you know, we have some chicken salads, we have a quinoa, uh, avocado salad, we have a garden salad, we have a raw taco that's amazingly good. And you think, oh, come on, man, a raw taco, you know, like raw, like nut type meat material in a cabbage thing, you're thinking that's not happening. And it's, it's not cooked either, is it's it? Not, it's completely raw mm. for, for people that want to be on the healthier part of the spectrum. And it is actually great because sometimes... You know, I go in there and I'm like, okay, I got a little eat on the healthier spectrum these days. So a lot of people don't notice. If you go on social media, you don't notice that we have a healthy salads. We have raw items and we're going to be adding more to the menu in that regard. We can't talk about it now, but we're actually developing the healthier options a little bit more. And then stuff that we didn't mention today, uh, the wraps. I mean, the Southwest avocado wrap. Oh, yeah. The chicken wraps are crazy good. I mean, I just, I've been getting addicted to those lately. So you can basically... Uh, have crispy chicken or grilled chicken, depending on how healthy you want to try to be. It's it's always a thousand times healthier than real animal products. And then you get to select whatever sauce you want on there, barbecue sauce or a thousand island or ranch. That thing is just every every time you know, I sit times I sit down with investors, we're showing them our food and I, I completely blow it because I sit there eating our food and I go, Oh my God, this is so great. I mean it's so self congratulatory. <laughs> I'm looking at the menu right now. So the raw tacos it's it's seasoned walnut and pecan taco meat. Yeah, that's and cashew hummus, guacamole, shredded kale, veggies, and you have shells made of cabbage. That's correct. And that all sounds... all were uh you know uh humanely raised. All those vegetables were humanely raised. Yeah. In a field. What does that? I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. I was, like, I was like, wait, is that? I, you know, I, I, did I miss? That? I was I was trying to get to free range, <laughs> and I couldn't find it, so it was very confusing. Yeah. That sounds fire, actually. It's really, good. it's really good. And you know, you mentioned the um, the uh, Buffalo sixty six. We have yeah. you know the hot uh, Buffalo style chicken tenders, which are just 
blow mine. But that thing you didn't mention is our standard chicken tenders are like, that's kind of our, that's it. That's it. People, people have our chicken tenders and they go, I can't even believe it. And we do love watching people come in and not quite get it. Yeah. I was in Encinitas, I think about a year ago and I love talking to our customers. And this woman was saying to me, this is the best grass fed beef I've ever had. She couldn't figure it out. Like we were kind of, we were somehow, she could look at the, she could look at the brand and just like some, somehow it's echoes, somehow it's natural. So she assumed that this was grass fed beef and she loved it. And we, we def, definitely see, you know, the wives and girlfriends bringing in their, their macho dudes and not telling them that this is plant-based because we, it's there if you look for it, but, but you could miss it. Yeah. You could miss you it. You could miss it. And we don't want to fool the, our omnivore friends. Cause that's insulting. Yeah. Like not tell them. So we have our little quotes around stuff like chicken or beef. Um, and we also don't want to freak out the vegans who like need to know if it is yeah. or isn't. Yeah. So it, it's very interesting. I'm curious too, a lot of the big brands, Carl's Jr., Burger King, Carl, like they're looking at what brands like yours are doing. Yeah. Do you, do you, I don't know if it's worried is the right term, but like. Good question. Like, what would you do? I'm actually curious. Let's play this. If you were the CEO of McDonald's today, that was just your job. You're yep. the same, same Jeff, same Jeff, yeah. same sensibilities, same life, but you're now the CEO of McDonald's. What's the first thing on your agenda? That is such a good question. I don't want to give it away, but I'll say it, right? Yeah, So I hope so. <laughs> so the big, so the big brands um, can only pivot so much. Right. In other words, in terms of the, they are mature brands. They have kind of cut their teeth on uh, animal products. And actually a majority of their customers are probably still eating the meat products, there, right? So if Carl's Jr. went all vegan tomorrow, they'd probably collapse. It, might, it wouldn't work. Um, I think uh, there's t one of two things that is going to happen in the future. Jeff Harris, the CEO of McDonald's, I'd say, let's put a, a billion dollars into creating another completely new plant-based brand. Right. Mm. It's not, it's not called McDonald's. It's called something else. And let's hire a bunch of crazy vegan hippies and actually build a little actual culture there. So it has a real look and feel. It'll never be authentic in some way because the profit motive is always kind of corruptive. Sure. Um, but I think that uh, the existential threat to brands like ours will happen if like young brands or McDonald's or PepsiCo, they come out, they really understand that consumers are looking for authentic, uh, uh, real change, and then they try to imitate what that might look like, right? So that's interesting. But the other, the other equally possible scenario is that, um, you know, with the Beyond Meat IPO, capital is now looking for uh, an entree into this market. And as uh, brands like Plant Power or other similar brands succeed, capital will want to find its way into the segment. And so it's equally likely that capital will want to partner with brands like ours to, no. to grow significantly, to grow in a very large-scale enterprise. When the world. right person sees that, when the right money sees it, it feels like it's easier, and I want easier is the wrong word, but it's it's more feasible to kind of invest early on yeah. into a brand like yours versus yeah. making fundamental changes to the mature brands. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that mature brands will be able to pivot quickly enough. I mean, these brands do pivot a little bit. Actually, that's not true. They update and revise their brands, right? I think Constantly in, yeah, in micro doses. Yeah, McDonald's is, I'm loving it or something, but it wasn't 20 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. So everyone's kind of evolving the brands. But I think that this plant-based segment is exploding so quickly that... Um, they, they'll be able to capture a segment of it by having the options, but the brand itself, I think, will not speak to people's yearnings for something more authentic 
and environmentally sustainable. And so I think that there, it, there's a good chance that small brands like ours will grow. Look, we're only at the end of 2020 or 2021, we'll probably still be less than 10 or 15 restaurants. We're relatively small. But if you look at the acceleration of our growth and other similar brands, I think that you can kind of see a trend that's about to happen. We're just at the first moments, the nascent moments of plant-based brands like that. I mean, that's why it's but so the, cool to talk to you at this at this point. I mean, are you are you also picking, sorry to cut you off, Jeff. Because I probably won't I probably won't call you back later. When we're really- <laughs> That's saying, right. In a week, you're just like, yeah, 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 right. you're, Eli I, who? Yeah, yeah. A year from now, it's like, dude, I'm really busy being really important right now. Are you picking locations like X Carl's Juniors on purpose or is it motivated by, eh, it's cheap because this place just went under? Yeah, well, well first of all, drive-thrus in Southern California are tough, right? We're competing against the big boys, you know, Starbucks, McDonald's, Jack in the Box, all these guys. Plus real estate price. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, you know, uh, real estate brokers or real, or people that own the land go, well, how much you got? I go, well, we got 200 bucks. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, we're going to go with the other guy. It's really not that bad anymore. We, we're actually competing a little bit more. So first of all, we're looking for drive throughs right? And one day we want to definitely scrape the ground and build our own and have them all look kind of like how plant power will look in the future. But at this point... Um, that getting an existing drive-through and then retroing it to look like a, or retrofitting it to look like a plant power makes sense. We do love, I'm going to quote my partner, Zach, recently. He was, he was um, interviewed by Veg News and he said, there's great poetic justice. Mm-hmm. Nice one, Zach. Great poetic justice in taking over these <laughs> yeah. existing meat-based restaurants. And yeah. I agree. I love that. You know, we've, we've already converted to Burger King. That's in Sanitas mm. to a plant power. Um, in Fountain Valley, we've got a Carl's Jr. converting Riverside, we've got a Derwiner Schnitzel converting. I can barely say it. And in uh, Temecula, another Burger King converting. So we, we think that there's something kind of poetically ironic and powerful about that in terms of like what the future looks like. Do you guys have an open drive through right now? Yeah. Which locations have the drive through? Because when I was in Long Beach, the drive through was closed because I think of a city and a bus lane issue. Yeah. But like, which... Well, which locations have drive-throughs that people can go through right now? So today, um, Encinitas. And I'm going to add a small story to this. This is a true story about a year and a half ago. I had an appointment in San Diego to get my headshots done for like our investor propaganda or something like that. And I'm driving down to San Diego to get to this meeting. And uh, I, was, I swear to God, I was thinking, I just wish there were some place I can drive through and get a vegan breakfast. Not even thinking about it. And then I'm like, there is a place. We built that place and I pulled into Encinitas and for the first time, I actually went through the drive-thru. I'd never actually been through it myself as a customer. Mm. And it was so cool, man. I got like the breakfast muffin and, and the chicken, you know, maple, you know, bacon sandwich. So anyway, right now, Encinitas is our single drive-thru. Ocean Beach is our drive-up. And right now, the other locations that we're building at the moment, um, three of the four that are in development right now are all drive throughs So we're starting to catch up with our drive through strategy. You just mentioned breakfast. Your menu, and you, we've touched upon it a little bit, but your menu is large. Yes. it's. It also feels like pretty aggressive when you're also going after aggressive growth. Tell me about like what the strategy was to have shakes and floats and tenders and chicken sandwiches and burgers and breakfast is it do you guys feel like the opportunity has to be the mcdonald's like menu like that much variety or is this a bunch of experimentation happening right now well there there has been a lot of evolution so we've seen a lot of things go go away for example we tried hot dogs you know they went away we tried tacos that went away 
um, my favorite smoothies are gone. You know, it's like, no, not the smoothies. <laughs> but the truth is the customers kind of showed us what they wanted. Mm. And, um, and we may explore some cool, healthy smoothies in the future, but we're looking at uh, the customers and we're looking at what they want. And basically it's not that hard to see what people love. And so over, over the, uh, the years, we've seen the poor performers naturally fall away. And kind of a honing um, uh, of a menu with, with really something that's aligned with people's expectations. We are... Uh, decidedly more McDonald's than In-N-Out Burger. We do have a right. wider menu. And that really serves our strategy at the moment of appealing to the largest amount of people as possible. Because our mission is not the vegans and the vegetarians, although they're, as I mentioned, rabid fans. Our mission is to attract everybody to come check it out. And so we really want to have something for everyone, including kids. Like we have the, we have the chicken tenders. We also have the chicken nuggets, which is like the kids come in and give them chicken nuggets and and a kid's burger and ketchup and they're in heaven. And we want to, we want to create that family experience too. How fast does plant power have to grow within the next five years in order to be in a strategic position um, to battle like the McDonald's and Burger Kings and Carl's juniors of the world? Like how fast do you have to grow and, and how are you going to do it? Wow, man, you're asking really good questions. Um, we're actually trying to figure that out right now. So I'm actually working with some advisors and our CFO, and we're actually working on some pretty deep analytical models about how that growth needs to happen. And, and because at a certain point, it becomes exponential. As an example, in 2016, we opened one location. 2017, we opened Encinitas. 2018, we opened um, Redlands. Uh, 2019 was on the campus of SDSU and Long Beach. And 2020, we're probably going to open at least three, maybe four, could be five. So we're starting to see some exponential growth. We, we really want to get to, at a, as a baseline, in the very near future, we want to get to 100 units. But we definitely see the need to be at three, four, or 500 units. And there are a variety of uh, strategic ways to get there. And I won't go into the depth of it, but, you know, how do you get capitalized? Do you grow out of revenues? Um are you guys franchised already? We are franchising. And here's why I could speak to that. So, you know, at this stage of our growth, no one's going to give these crazy three vegan hippies like $20 million to build 15 corporate locations. I, I don't know yet. I don't man. know, man. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know, man. It's Actually, a cool have, story. It's have a those, badass story. Have those guys call me. Have those guys call me. <laughs> and again, I'm, we're not yeah. here with the money yeah. to ourselves. <laughs> well, then I, again, I got to go. Um, <laughs> No, Just so left twice. <laughs> this podcast. Yeah, you guys. I hope you guys don't have any abandonment issues. I might, be, I might be exacerbating those. Um, you know, the franchise model allows us to grow quickly with um, a relatively small amount of capital and without diluting our existing investors. Mm -hmm. Right. So the franchise, the franchisees, we have to pick them very carefully. I mean, we've got a long list of people throughout the country and actually even the world that want to franchise our our brand. But we're also looking for people that are mission-based they got to believe they, they want to they need to support our mission they have to be capitalized they have to have operational experience so it's a smaller number of people that qualify for that but the franchisees right now are capitalizing most of our growth and expansion because they have the capital to plant a plant power in the ground right that costs the money yeah right and so rather than raising money uh, raising you know 50 or 100 million dollars from investors to expand the brand at this early stage it works very well for us to have the franchisees capitalize our expansion. We're building corporate units as well. Uh, and I kind of there, didn't answer all no, of your... No, for, no, that yeah. does answer. But I have some questions about franchisees because I, you know, when you talk about poetic justice of taking over a Burger King location, 
the odds are that the reason that that Burger King or McDonald's location failed and you guys get to take over is because like some franchisee didn't really make it work. Mm. Um, and so I'm curious about how do you protect a contemporary brand in 2019 that has, I would argue that you're, I mean, I feel like you're the furthest along of any plant-based restaurant that I've seen that can scale. The price points, what you guys are doing, the menus, thinking drive-through. Again, you guys are moving fast and it, more than fast, it's the right timing. Thank like, you. Um, but I'm, but also franchising from what we hear on on the media side is also the biggest way to dilute your brand. Absolutely. And so I'm curious about like what you guys are talking about internally, knowing if that's the way to growth, which I think that's the way too. But how do you protect plant power to how do you protect plant power? It's a great question. I know I, people always tell me to stop saying that in interviews. I always I always begin my answer with great question. Stop saying that. Um, we are very, very particular. So I'm, I'm deeply moved. I literally have spreadsheets with 50, 60, 70 people who have contacted us, who want to be franchisees. They're all lovely people. They're all inspired. They kind of get our brand. They feel the calling. But um, we have learned a lot from our experience so far. And of all those people that have reached out to us, we've only really had, you know, developed four of them all the way to the point of view of getting franchised. So I may have mentioned it a moment ago, we're looking for people who are aligned with our mission. Like we want ethical, kind people who understand the importance of what we're doing. It doesn't mean that they're vegan. It doesn't mean that we're going to put cameras in the refrigerator and monitor whether or not they put cream cheese on their bagels in the morning. You know, but it means that they understand what we're doing and they want to be part of it. Um, we're going very carefully and very slowly. And we've got uh, franchisees right now that will become multi-unit operators. So our first franchisees in Redlands, they're developing two more units right now. Um, our franchisees in Orange County, they're looking at second and third locations. So we want people that are strong enough from a capital point of view and from an operational point of view that they can grow with this. And part of the answer to your question is very hard to define but we are familying up with these people. Like we're, we're still early stage. We don't have the plant power hamburger university yet yeah. where everyone goes and gets certified. Although we do have a very extensive training program now. We've got a director of training. We, like it's really leaps and bounds from where it's been. But right now we're really building a tribe. And right now at this stage, our franchisees are very much part of the plant power tribe and the plant power family. Some of them are also investing in our company because they want to own a piece of this as well. So I think that as, you know, here the question that will come up to, to answer your question. And we're actually beginning, to, we're right, right now, we're just easing into this where people are going, okay, we're ready to build 20 or 30 units with you guys, right? And typically these are the people that haven't been at the forefront of the plant-based movement. They, they've, they may own Arby's right. or Carl's Jr.'s and they own, may own KFC's. But they see the writing on the wall and they want to they want to be a major developer of a plant power. They want to diversify their portfolio is what they want. They do. need to get into that plant-based segment as quick as they can. And that and then it's really a matter of how does the world benefit, right? When the world has 100, 200, 300, 400, 500 plant powers, right? And then how much is the brand at risk as you kind of move out into that franchise segment? And I think that that risk needs to be managed because the brand is critical, right? The brand has you're to, cool. You're cool right now. Yeah, we are cool right now, but we could lose that easily. Yeah, and like the public doesn't see any difference, and so either do the employees. The employees that work for a franchisee work for Plant Power, and the public coming into a Plant Power works at Plant Power, 
And and the way we see it, even though structurally from a business point of view, there are corporate and franchise locations, but we see ourselves tribally and culturally as one plant power family. No one at home gives a shit. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah, one exactly. at home like no know. one at home is like franchise like the, the people here that aren't like listening that aren't entrepreneurs that aren't like deep industry in the food phase, industry yeah. they're like they're like yo who gives a fuck franchise i don't care but like we, need to bleep, we bleep that out we gotta bleep <laughs> out though but is it is it on my corner that's yeah, like that's what they what, care like, about right and, is it and is, is it available near me and is experience good there's there's a lot of franchise uh models out there where it is good yeah it, it's good they just because it oh, there's almost like this stigma when you say franchise like are you doing that versus company owned like in and out does the company but, own but, and everyone's yeah, great but look but, at mcdonald's i mean i'm not a mcdonald's fan obviously but um they're really consistent man you walk into any mcdonald's anywhere they've gone through i think i don't know if it's hamburger university or something um they've gotten schooled on the culture and the vibe of it and, uh, you know, Starbucks, which is, I think mostly corporate, but still you walk in there and there's a culture and there's a welcome. So, I, you know, it's it's right now, it's it's really about making sure that our culture is deployed through corporate or franchise locations. Mm-hmm. Great question, though. Same amount of work either way, I feel. There's yeah. like a good amount of work that goes into that. Yep. Man, I'm excited for what's next. If you guys aren't following Plant Power, they have 90,000 followers on Instagram and climbing, which is a testament to the kind of this growth of the brand. Thank you. And and the welcoming of it online. So the food looks good. That's why it's happening. Eighty nine thousand of those are just my personal friends and family. Can you please go on and and like it or like join or something? <laughs> I'll follow now. Jeff, where can uh, give a, a recap of where people can go try your food, which cities and also where they can connect with you and Plant Power. Great. Thank you so much. So uh, on our website, you can find a list of our locations. Um, because I'm old, I say things like www.plantpowerfastfood.com. But if you're younger, you just go to plantpowerfastfood.com. But I will tell you, we're in Ocean Beach, which is in San Diego, not too far from SeaWorld. Um, we're on the campus of San Diego State University, which is not convenient for parking unless you go to school there. Mm. Would not recommend that as a visit from the outside world. Uh, we are in Redlands, California. Uh, we are in Encinitas, California. Um, we're in Long Beach, California. I'm so proud of our Long Beach location. It's so much fun, right? Got a nice water feature and a little koi pond and a waterfall. It's, it's great. That's the one I'm going to this it's weekend. It's a great hang. And then we've got new locations coming up. We were keeping some of them secret, but we got scooped, man. Yeah. I, People I, just know. No, we got scooped. We got the press came out. And so uh, it looks like we'll be opening up in Riverside, Temecula, and Fountain Valley. And then we have one top secret location that I don't, I can't mention yet. Because if I did... I'd have to kill all your listeners. Las Vegas. All right, my guys. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fact check. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. Yeah, on the thanks pod, for Jeff. joining us, man. You guys, Appreciate I cannot you. thank you guys enough. You guys have such a great vibe. This was so much fun. Uh, I'd like to come back and be on your show um, every day, if that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll look at the calendars. Get back to you. <laughs> yeah, you'll call me at 999 We'll call you like you're going to call us when you get the huge investment, right? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you again? <laughs> Why are you calling me? All right, guys, we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye.